everyone welcome to our podcast let's play it by ear this is our fifth episode of this season and today we're going to talk a little bit about um i think the differences between practicing for your recital versus practicing for an ensemble performance mm -hmm. full disclosure when i planned this episode i thought i would know exactly what to say now i think my mind has gone blank <laughs> It's okay. This I'll draw be, something out of you. Don't worry yeah, about it. This will be an open conversation. I yes. Guess, for lack of better description. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, well, let's start it then. Um, like, okay. Now, when we say a recital, we mm -hmm. mean a solo performance, right? Yeah. So, um, I guess let's talk mindset first. Like, what's the difference in your mindset, mm -hmm. solo performing versus ensemble performing? Actually, that's a very good point. Mm. Um, I mean, thinking back to when we were in school, mm -hmm. I have not done a solo recital ever since, <laughs> and I don't yeah. like I don't like to. <laughs> I don't exactly relish in that. Uh, that's my. <laughs> first point for my mental my, my mentality and where my mind is at um i very okay. much like to be in the middle of a group mm. i don't like the spotlight on me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i know that for for us as instru instrumentalists we'll have the pianist with us right generally um yeah. but still i feel like oh there's so much pressure on you to like yeah prep and and play everything 100 percent there is yeah. no hundred percent, really. You can always improve. Nope. Um, mm -hmm. But that's how I feel, or how how I felt. So is it essentially for ensemble performance? Is there like an excitement in there then? Yeah, because you get to hear like the chord with like if you looked at an orchestral score, it's so right. many lines. You right. hear everyone together. Yep. Yep. That energy that you feed off of, I think. Oh, you like to feed off of that energy. So when Not you're solo, but... yeah, but no, I totally, I, I feel you. But like, so when you're solo performing, is there something about the energy that you don't like feeding off of that energy? It's very much a nervous energy that I get from oh. me. Oh, like you're emanating nervous yeah. energy. Okay. I mean, chamber I feel music you. is okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I love chamber music. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? So I, I'm a little weird, I would say. Um, I do like solo performing, but I, I, uh, and I, I dream of it actually. Um, but I need to be able to be the one running the show. Like, mm. I don't want someone to give me the rules of what to do. If that, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> Knowing you. Um, so, yeah, I have a history of this. Uh, for anyone who's just joining in and has not heard the previous episodes. Um, uh, I, um, my favorite recital was one where I chose to play the Golden Flute Concerto by Chen Yi. Mm. And that was a personal choice of mine I found it randomly in the library I thought it was the greatest thing in the world mm -hmm. and so I um I studied it and I performed it and um 
and it was amazing. I loved it. And in that recital, I really felt like I owned the room, you know, and um, I, I kind of like, I was actually just talking about this with my stream today because someone someone did ask me like how do you prepare for a performance like do you have a tradition that you do pre-performance that you do and um for a solo performance especially one that i have chosen the music for myself and i'm running the show um i think i got to do it for my third year recital because it was not my graduation recital you know what i mean so like you have more leeway in your junior recital so i um there's a moment between sound check and when people come in where people are not allowed to come into the mm-hmm. hall yet and you're just kind of preparing backstage. Mm-hmm. In that time, what I did was, and I love doing this, is I go out into these onto the stage and I mentally throw my presence out into the room. And what this does for me, and I, I'm pacing across the stage while I do this, and what this does for me is it makes me feel like I own the room. Are you holding a certain posture when you're yeah. walking across the stage? And, okay. Yeah. It's like a very upright posture. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm i just, essentially there's like this bit of like a, like a mantra going on in my yeah. head of like, this is my space. Um, people are coming into my space where I'm sharing with people. Um, and I will take these people on a ride. Like, I will take these people on a mental and an emotional ride, you know. And so when the people are let in and I'm backstage, Mm -hmm. I feel they're coming into my space. So that way you feel comfortable already because this is your territory. Yes. Um, Someone exactly said that on my chat. They're like, you're marking your territory. I was like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I am. That's That's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, not by peeing, but yeah. like, you know, I'm my marking my territory, you know, mentally, you know. So um, but it does make the energy in the room different. OK, it's it's almost like people can sort of kind of telepathically feel it, too. They can. I, people people very much can feel. Yeah. Energy. It's like when someone's presence comes into the room, you mm-hmm. can feel it, mm-hmm. you know. And so essentially I've thrown my presence out and and filled the entire room with my presence. Mm. Um, and so the energy as a result of that, I love. Okay. If I don't do that in a solo performance setting, um, uh, it's a train wreck. Guaranteed? Almost guaranteed. Because if it's solo, Mm -hmm. if it's solo and I haven't done that, right? So, um, I feel... Because what I feel is that I am I am encroaching into other people's space mm. and that I have to prove myself worthy to be in their space. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. And then that makes my performance really terrible. Is that how you feel? That's me. I, I never. Well, I mean, of course, I would never have thought to like I own this room. It's more like, oh, my gosh, this room's too big. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone's just coming to judge me. Mm hmm. It's because at least when I feel that way, it's because I feel like I'm encroaching onto their space and I have to I have to prove myself. Yeah, the the second point very much. Yeah, I hate that. For me, it's like I own this room. 
you guys are going to feel and think things my way for this hour. And you will have no say in that otherwise. I like that. Yeah. And then it's a great performance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you have no inhibitions then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do this chamber, though. If it's chamber performance or if it's like a ensemble performance, mm-hmm. I don't have to do it because I think it's just strength in numbers. <laughs> yeah, that like, too. And yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not the person that people are paying attention to. No. There's so many others. There's so many others, exactly. So I almost kind of feel like just from the sheer number of people mm-hmm. that like if it's even if it's like five people like a win quintet that's already yeah. enough people to establish quite the presence already mm-hmm. that people are walking into okay you know it's when it's a singular person that's when you essentially have to mark at least for me i feel that i have to mark my territory in order mm-hmm. to do it well um Probably the only exception is doing um, uh, competitions. Because mm. for competitions, um, you you can't really mark your territory. You're sort of, you're, you're going one after another, you yeah. know? So, like, um, essentially, I have to go out with the intention. I have to, like, come out onto the stage with the intention of throwing my, my presence out in people's faces immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very it happens very quickly. It happens just from the moment you enter the stage to when you are standing there. That's the only amount of time that you have to throw your presence right. out. Almost instantaneous. And if, exactly. So like it has to be very intentional and you have to like believe in it so hard. Like you have to act so well that you believe what you are doing, mm-hmm. you know, method acting essentially. Yeah. And so you have to act it in that time frame and own the room in that time frame. Then if, say, you're a person who has more of a, a shy personality and they're not very yeah. confident, yeah, they, they can still act that way. Do you think then the more they act that way, they, they're eventually going to become used to it and that's going to be a part of their true self? It depends from person to person. Tension, kind of. Yeah, like I think it depends from person to person. Like there is some truth to fake it till you make it. Mm There is absolutely some truth in that, you know, because if you act well enough and people believe you, they will. The energy that you will feel from them will be a very positive energy. It'll be a very positive and welcoming energy, Mm -hmm. which will then make you more relaxed, and then you'll play better. And it's just like a very nice positive feedback loop Mm. that keeps happening Mm. when you're performing, right? So, like, I know we said that we're going to talk about practicing, but, you know, um, I guess in a way, you do kind of have to practice this part, the the marking your territory, essentially. Well, I mean, as as much as we were intending on saying practicing for something, mm-hmm. we cannot discount the fact that mentally preparing is pra- yeah. part of is part practicing. of practicing. Yeah, you're not just like not mm-hmm. focusing on anything. Your brain it, it can't just be wandering about. Yeah, you have to. It can't just be the notes. Yeah, you know, like you have to be intentional about it, like you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that that I. At least I feel that that's the major difference in the mindset between solo and chamber. So 
I, I have realized that I like all of them. I like them all. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I have tried to share the solo thing before because people are like, how do you just like like performing solo? You know, like, what do you like about that experience? Like, that's terrifying, isn't it? And I'm just kind of like, I get it. I get why it's terrifying because I, I have had terrifying solo performance you know, experiences. I have, you know, and I hate those experiences, but there's like, why do I crave it? It's because I did it one time. And it's addictive yeah, after it. you do it successfully the first time. Yeah. Then you like the, I sound so terrible every time I say this, but there is a certain power that you feel from doing it. Like it's very self-empowering, you know? Um, and just makes you feel like you could take anything on like you just feel like superman yeah you know and it's a great feeling <laughs> i don't think there's anything wrong or, or or that you should feel guilty about liking that self-empowerment because you're not yeah. hurting anyone uh, yeah i'm not you're sharing the music you're being generous yeah but yeah you're you're kind of enriching the, those people's yeah. lives with, by by playing and yeah. sharing but I crave that feeling of power, you know? Just don't misuse it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like that's the part that I'm like, I, I'm usually actually very shy to tell people that I love the power of being the person running the show. Mm. Like, I was my brother's MC for his wedding. Mm -hmm. And his wedding had... 800 people show up for the wedding and i loved being the mc it was oh what a great experience i did a really stupid thing where because i had to make sure that people would come up in an orderly fashion to take the photos after the ceremony okay, right yeah. so i was like what stupid way can i use to control this like crazy you know, congregation, essentially, or they were actually multiple congregations. There were multiple churches of mm. people coming. And like, what can I do to control this mass of people to do what I say <laughs> and remember what I say? So right. I came up with this on the fly, did not tell anyone I was going to do this. It was completely improvised, which I guess is my style anyway. But they were like, I was like, OK, everyone needs to enter on the left. All right, everyone point with me. And I made all 800 people go left, left, left. <laughs> so everyone's chanting left, left, left. Um, okay, yeah. When, you know, to enter. And I was like, mm -hmm. and where do you go when you exit? Right, right, right. So I like made 800 people like chant this with me. My God, the power that I felt doing that. Like, I just controlled 800 people to say and chant something really stupid together, you know? And sure enough, if anyone got it wrong, like I literally saw people like shaming them going, left, left, left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if people tried to enter on the right, they'd be like shaming them using my chant. Yeah. And it's like that energy from like essentially it's like controlling mm -hmm. a, a huge mass of people um 
it's addicting i i really love it like it's intoxicating it is intoxicating like so that experience and my third year recital those are the two experiences that i was like that's where i got hooked on that that feeling of like i do really like doing this solo you know Mm -hmm. And I would like to do it again. I actually would love to, like, when I have some time when life calms down a little bit, because life is crazy right now for me. But when life calms down a little bit, uh, one of my goals actually is to put on a, like, a small venue solo recital. Because I want, I want to have that feeling again. Like, yeah. I've been holding on to that feeling again. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm the master of my own destiny now, you know, like, I can ch- choose whatever pieces I want, you know. That and just true. run the show, you know, do it exactly the way I want. Um, but yeah, so like uh, that, like, but yeah, it, like even for someone like me, though, even though I love that feeling, if I don't prep correctly, mm. it ain't happening. How would you prep correctly then? So like prepping, well, we talked a little bit about it last time, mm-hmm. which was that I do my two week marathon. of um every night uh at around 9 or 10 p.m you run your entire recital uh program all the way through Mm -hmm. um it's so that you know half the venue can be on fire and you can still play you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah while you're leaving you're still playing you know like you should be able to do that Mm -hmm. right so um so that's what i'm doing um as a stamina mm. um, endurance type of training. Yep. So it's endurance training for two weeks prior. Um, if I if I have more time, I would actually extend it to one month training. Mm. One month endurance training. It's like marathon training, basically. Mm. Um, so endurance training, I would prefer a month, but normally the way my schedule works out is, is only two weeks. Mm. And that is usually enough time for you to play really well at your recital um but um i don't actually practice much beyond those two weeks endurance training all oh. of your practicing of getting to know the music and stuff like that has to happen well before those two weeks yeah yeah um you have to know your music inside and out before you get to the endurance marathon how long then would you start learning a new piece if you knew you had a recital it depends on the nature of the piece right like if the piece is crazy like the e-bear well i've been studying it for three years and i am only just now getting to the point where i'm like i think i could do it if i did an endurance marathon i think i think i could do it yeah (laughs) but like that that was three years (laughs) um for something like the e-bear right now for something like the um you know my 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 YouTube chat is getting me to um, memorize the Carg Alert uh, Caprice number 29. Mm-hmm. So I'm memorizing that in four stints um, and uh, like four live streams. Mm-hmm. And then in between each live stream, I'm drilling what I learned. Right. Um, I feel like by the time I get to the fourth week um, or after the fourth week, that is, mm-hmm. I probably could do endurance marathon like for two weeks after that and perform it. So in, in total, that would be like six or seven weeks. Okay. You know? Yeah, so what I'm hearing is more like practice at least a half a year before. 
yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good um, kind of average time to hit. Because mm-hmm. like, what that'll allow you to do is that like, if there's an easier piece, right? And then um, you, you already finished learning it in like a month. Great. Then you have more time to work on the other pieces that yeah. you are not as confident in. So that by the time you get to the two weeks before, everything is up to snuff and you can just endurance marathon it up mm-hmm. for two weeks. Yeah. 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 yeah I remember uh, last week, I believe, or the last couple of weeks, the mm-hmm. last few episodes, we spoke about prepping for exams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as a teacher, I would generally recommend that my students look well in advance yeah. of when they want to do, do the exam. Oh yeah. Um, and at least like start learning the music a year before. Yeah, you know, especially one year I'm before. dealing with younger younger crowds as well too. Yes. Um, you have to understand the music. You have mm-hmm. actually not not that play the notes, know the yeah. notes, know your rhythm. Yep. Uh, know the dynamics, all the articulations, expression, what you want to do with the music. Yep. And yep. then start polishing it up. Mm-hmm. And that's already maybe two three months. Yep. Into the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like uh, half a year to one year is the right amount of time Mm -hmm. to learn stuff. So that is one of the reasons actually why um, preparing for a a recital when you're in music school does feel pretty rushed. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you don't choose the piece until September or October and you're already performing it in like March. Apologies for the very abrupt cut there. My internet pooped and we're back now. So let's continue our conversation. Um, we were talking about... Um, uh, um, How I think uni university recitals, they feel very rushed because you're choosing right. your repertoire only like towards the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not even actually. You find yourself learning a piece or two and then your professor or your teacher decides... Nah, let's do another one. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, very common to not finalize your recital, uh, your recital program until Mm -hmm. um, October or November. Mm -hmm. I've even heard as late as January or February. Um, Yeah, I have. we, We have heard of cases like that. Um, and then a lot of times people like to do, do their um, recitals in like March or April, something like mm-hmm. that. That I would say that's the most common time to do your recital because then it's not slammed right next to your exams and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah. Um, one, I don't know if it's so much as a tip as one thing that I, I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would like to do after my recitals I would kind of start planning the pieces that I wanted to learn for next year and start mm. already practicing those so I could bring them to lessons um, yeah. when the, the new school year started. Yes. So that would be what I'd be looking at over the summer. I wish I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> well, you did your endurance training. I did not. But I kind of <laughs> looked, looked ahead at the pieces. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I spoke. I spoke with my professor as well too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, this is. I'm considering learning blah 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 piece for pieces for for next year, and they'll either say, okay, yeah, sure, you can do that, or not yet. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely i got um i got some of my pieces vetoed for um my graduation recital Mm. um and so unfortunately i didn't i just did not really feel that recital if if you if you get what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because um i understand that it was for an educational purpose and so like you know like i did what i should have which Mm -hmm. is to you know do with my what my teacher says that i should play you know but i'm admittedly very rebellious (laughs) by nature um and so um you know and i was very hot-headed at the time so i i didn't really think that clearly in terms of what my teacher was trying to do for me and i did not understand it i was too I was too naive, I think. So, um, yeah, I, did, I just didn't really, I didn't feel that recital. Like, it just wasn't, I was not happy with it, mm. with that recital. Yeah. Well, hopefully you get to do one soon. Yeah, I'd love to. I actually did a few, um, I think after graduation, I called them my barstools and benches. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, barstools and benches series. Um, where essentially like because I wanted to make things really relaxed so I would actually perform on a bar stool and then the benches was for my pianist like piano bench yeah. so I, and I wanted that kind of coffee shop feel too so instead of having a separate reception the reception happened at the same time mm-hmm. as the recital so people Why got not? to like yeah people got to just have coffee and snacks and you know they could like sit around tables and stuff and just relax and not feel like they're in like a performance, yeah. you know? Um, so that relaxed them down too. And it just made for such a great experience, you know? And I, I really want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like I, to join you for that. I would love for you to perform with me for that. Cause I want to. One thing I really want to do is um, I got, and you remember this, I um hired espresso catering for my wedding (laughs) and i would love to do that for one of these recitals can we yeah that's what i want to do that's my dream is i want to rent out a tiny little church that has really great acoustics i already Mm -hmm. know which one i'm thinking of because we were almost going to get married there and and i decided that it was a better performance venue than it was a than it was a a wedding venue for us um, but it'd be so easy to just hire espresso catering, the same company that did yeah. our wedding, yeah. you know, and like people could just, it's like literally just like coffee and music, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it'll be so good. That's the dream. Okay. That's the dream. And we can renew our friendship there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. Anyway. I did want to ask you, though, because mm-hmm. you're more the ensemble person out of the two of us. Yes. So what do you do to, to prepare for an ensemble performance? Um, with my schedule now, I know I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of time to, to practice my parts as much as I, I want to and as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I make sure I do have the music in PDF form. So mm-hmm. I have it on my computer and then I listen to it several times when I can mm-hmm. I look at the score while listening sorry not score my part while listening to it right um so just to clarify score usually means uh like music 
<laughs> that includes multiple parts yet all everyone in the ensemble and what they're playing so for example exactly. this is a score for um piano and bassoon Mm-hmm. So they'll list the instruments there, and then everyone has their own line or line. Yeah. And you can see how everything lines up. Yeah, so that's the score. So mm-hmm. what I mean is I'm looking at my music, mm-hmm. my part. Um, mm-hmm. There will be times where I will look at scores as well, too, because if it's a piece I really am not familiar with and mm-hmm. I do have access to a score, yeah. um, I want to know where my part fits in. Because sometimes, right. <laughs> being a bassoonist, I can't really tell just by listening to the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I can hear everyone else's. Yeah, I don't know what bassoon is doing. <laughs> yeah, doing. so that's where a score comes in handy. Uh, um, so after doing that, then that's when I practice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I play just uh, the beginning of the recording before I practice, so I'm Got reminding it. myself of what it should sound like, what the tempo is as well too. Got it. Got it. Um. Yeah, and then. If it is more technical, mm-hmm. I'll just take those chunks first. I'll drill it, play it really slowly, um, and then take out the metronome and slowly bump up, bump it up yep. to where I need to go. Yeah. Uh, one example of when I did that, and it really helped, was when I was doing when I was playing Otello with uh, Vancouver Opera. Mm. There was a part that I think I might I might maybe miss remembering the tempo marking right now but I think it was tongued at quarter to 172 or something like that possibly oh god wow I don't think it was 117 but it was it was a pretty fast tempo oh again don't quote me on the tempo it could yeah. I could be way off mark but it was fast <laughs> yeah it was fast I had to like set the metronome as low as I could practice mm-hmm. it every single day slowly bit by bit bump it up and there's a silly trick that I use to to help myself with increasing the tempo I don't mm-hmm. look at how many clicks I'm I'm increasing oh that's good because so then just, you don't psych yourself out yeah so I play yeah. it yeah maybe three four or five times as many times as it takes for it to sound good and yeah. accurate mm-hmm. and then I increase the tempo bit by bit I love it. It may be two clicks in one go, maybe three, maybe five, maybe six. But then you don't psych yourself out, yeah. you know? And even up to five or six clicks, I find is still close enough to what you just did that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't make that much of a difference, you know? Sometimes it will. Depends That's on true. the passage. That's true. It, you're right. It does depend on the passage. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. If it is too fast, then I'll lower it by a click or two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no shame in that, you know? That's just yeah. kind of how it goes. You know, you're yeah. essentially, like, testing your limits then, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. And for really lyrical passages, then I just like to have at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ham it up, kind of. Oh, that's so... I, I loved when you were playing, like, oh, we recorded this out of order. Um, <laughs> but, just because uh, um, of where we're living, we exactly. just want to be respectful to our neighbors. Yeah, but we act. Yeah, we actually just recorded the last episode right before this, and Carrie played. You guys are will hear it next time. Carrie plays like a little bit of. We'll do a little, little sneak peek. A little bit of Rite of Spring, just like your tone. I was just like, oh, 
girl, my God, I love that, you know, like, but I, I love that you take the time to just like ham things up. Like that is fantastic. That's actually something I need to do. Cause I find if I don't, you can lose touch with the yeah. musical side of what yes. you are doing. Absolutely. You're losing the emotional side of what you're doing. Yeah. So I just want to be reminded of why I'm doing music in the first place. Oh, that's so good. I mean, I think that is particularly like, you know, is like, um, you know, uh, 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 relevant to what I'm practicing now, too, because mm. I'm practicing like how to make super technical things sound musical, mm -hmm. you know, because what's the point of playing the super technical thing if you don't do it musically and entertain and like at least entertain yourself, you know, yeah. <laughs> while you do it, right? Yeah, no, that's true. You have to be able to yeah. enjoy it first in order to share it with someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'm trying to find that enjoyment and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm comparing like, how do I play music that I play for fun? Mm -hmm. Like, what am I doing physically differently actually between like for fun music and technical music, mm -hmm. you know, cause there is a physical difference yeah. in how I play. And so I've been exploring the difference between that. So like I, I have found myself starting to like, I have to kind of let go of the technique and just let myself ham it up, you mm -hmm. know? Um, it's so hard to do that. Sometimes you'll find hamming it up. You, go in the way you don't expect and it doesn't sound good which is useful as well too because then you yes. know your limit exactly like it's it's actually good to know how far you can push it yeah you know because then you won't accidentally go too far in the performance too. yeah that, that's true right yeah. yeah it's kind of like when i when i was practicing the the bursus in firebird mm -hmm. that's a big bassoon solo it is a it is an um excerpt for audition yep uh it's meant to be quite still oh. and there's not a lot of like rise and fall i don't think there is mm -hmm. some to some degree mm -hmm. but like if you try to over vibrato something or over phrase uh, yeah. something then that's gonna sound off yeah it'll sound like a tank going through a meadow at sunrise you yeah. know like which is not what you want yeah, because so. at that point in the story, it's you're you're putting that beast to sleep, right? It's a lullaby. Exactly. You can kind of escape and or I think rescue rescue mm -hmm. the princess or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah so you don't want to go. Rah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the monster's gonna come chase after you instead. <laughs> uh, I wanted to touch on one thing before we mm -hmm. end off. Um. And uh, it's a problem amongst flute players. And mm. so I wanted to know if this is a problem amongst bassoon players too. Okay. Um, because for the flute, our, our orchestral excerpts and stuff like that, like when we prepare for ensemble performances and stuff like that, the number one big thing that is actually commonly taught in the flute world is do not over practice your excerpts flutists tend to over over practice their little excerpt or whatever like exposed solo they have mm -hmm. before like right before the concert like oh like on stage or on stage on stage and the few days leading up to it 
Okay. Yeah. Flutists, and I have been guilty of this as well, um, okay. will overplay it. Um, so, like, do you guys have that too? Or Before I answer that, what do you find happens if you overpractice? Um, you essentially kind of hit a point of no return where it's just downhill. It's just diminishing returns, mm. you know? And you don't want to hit the point of diminishing returns um, at the concert yeah. or before the concert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because some people will hit their high of like peak playing at like the dress rehearsal or at the sound check. Yeah. Or even when they're messing around in the noodly business we do before tuning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll do it then. And they'll nail it. But then yeah. that usually means that they will not nail it at the actual performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, I've never really been told not to overpractice any excerpts. Not that I will, mm -hmm. knowing mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I have experienced a point where I did play something too much. I guess it's the same thing. I played something too much and it just starts started going downhill it was fine the day before or like five minutes before yep and i practiced that once too many one yep. too many times it only takes one too many and times. then it just goes it just crumbles yep at that point i just stop mm. i don't even mm -hmm. touch it i don't look at it i try not to think about it that's hard. yeah <laughs> you kind of have to remove it from yeah. your mind you yeah. know entirely um but it sucks when people hit that point right before I remember what uh, when that happened, or oh, not not what not when, but like what that happened with oh. um, Beethoven Symphony Four, uh -huh. the fourth movement, the bassoon. I'm gonna sing in the wrong key. It's fine. That wasn't even any pitch, but no, it was a discernible pitch to me at least. It's yeah, much faster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I practiced that so many times. I got it. I won't say perfect, but it was good. Mm -hmm. I was satisfied with what with what I was putting out. Yeah. And then I decided to play it just one day. Couldn't do it anymore. <gasps> and I had concerts coming up. Oh no! So I just I just took it back down to ground zero as slow as I could. Yeah. That's I just the tried way to, to build it. it up. And were you okay for the performance? <laughs> not really. Oh no! I figured something out for the performance, but it was definitely okay. not where I ideal. It to be. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, because this is a very common thing. It's a very common warning in the flute world. Okay. I wonder if it is because of the nature of flutists. Um, we tend to be very very good very much go-getters mm -hmm. you know um and so like we're very ambitious mm -hmm. and so I, I think that's kind of part of the base nature of a flutist is that you have some sort of ambition in you and so I can see that yeah and so that translate very poorly to over practicing mm -hmm. um so uh yeah people will overplay and over practice um, so what I've actually started doing is you, you, 
once you do it enough, you kind of know when you're about to reach your peak. Mm -hmm. So I purposefully stopped there. Yeah, but I think that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard people say that, oh, it's okay if you didn't do it um, mm -hmm. the way you wanted it to, to, to sound in rehearsal or dress rehearsal, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That the performance will be good. I yes. kind of took that and like, yeah, okay. Because in the performance, especially in an ensemble as well, too, like if you're kind of like me, you like to feed off of the energy of other people around you, mm -hmm. um, your adrenaline is also going. You are also going to be slightly nervous, mm. not past the point where it's debilitating. Yeah. But it's at the optimum point where it helps you function well. Even I guess. better. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm. then banking on all of that, hopefully then yeah, everything's gonna go well. Yeah. Provided yeah. that you've practiced enough before, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like don't that go... has to be a given. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't go into it winging it. No, that, that's no, not gonna that's not no. gonna happen. like even a sight reader like me had to make sure that I actually like practiced the parts I needed to practice yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. even I did which is saying a lot um, <laughs> so um but like uh it's very common and if you guys have not heard this yet um it, it is exactly as Carrie says it's actually good if the dress rehearsal and or sound check mm -hmm. does not is not optimal mm -hmm. it's it's actually good because that means that the actual performance will be amazing if you nail it at the dress rehearsal or their sound check you'll know usually the opposite it's usually the opposite it's usually the opposite like it yeah. it's really hard to replicate it that many times in a row mm -hmm. perfectly because we're human mm -hmm. you know um, so, but that's usually what happens. If you do well in the dress rehearsal, you will not do as well at the concert. If you don't do as well as at the dress rehearsal, you will absolutely nail the concert. Yeah. Yeah. It happens every time. Funny, funny how things work, but. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fun performance. <sighs> yeah, it is. And it's, a, it's, it's like. I love that adrenaline too. I, I love the different kinds of adrenaline that you get performing, you know, solo chamber, you know, large ensemble. Mm -hmm. It's a very different energy every single time, you know, yeah. and it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's why we're musicians, right? Because we so like too. that feeling. <laughs> well, I think before, before we talk about anything negative or going downhill, I think maybe this is a good point. To yeah. Wrap yeah. It. This is a great place to wrap up. So I think it's my turn to wrap up. Yes. yes? Okay. Wonderful. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, if you guys have anything to add, please contact us. Um, you can, if you're on YouTube, which by the way, please subscribe and like and share and all those fun things to get the algorithm to notice us. Uh, um, but yeah, you can comment below and let us know your thoughts. Um, otherwise, we have a whole bunch of different social media that you guys can catch us on. We have Facebook um, at Let's Play It By Ear podcast. We have uh, Instagram at 
uh, Let's Play it by Ear podcast as well. And we also have Twitter at let underscore ear. Um, and we you can listen to us if you are here on YouTube and you would like to listen to us on a like podcasting platform. Anchor.fm is the place to be. Anchor.fm forward slash Let's Play it by Ear dash podcast. And if you want to just send us a direct email, you can go ahead and do so at letsplayitbyear.podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to just see our like uh, whole, uh, all the opuses that we, all the seasons that we have recorded, they are all in one neat place for you. Letsplayitbyear.com. I can't believe we actually got that domain. <laughs> I still can't believe it, but it's ours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can um, listen to listen and watch because mm. both the YouTube links and all of the um, Anchor.fm uh, links are are directly embedded into that website. So um, we hope you guys will join us again next time. Um, for our last episode, which is going to be really fun, we're going to practice. We're doing like little mini practice sessions so you guys can have a peek into how we do things. So we see hope... how we think or hear yes, how we think. What we exactly. Think. So we hope you guys will join us again then. But until then, we hope that you will have a wonderful week and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye-bye. See you. <laughs>